0: Just say what's on your mind. Tell them here and let them be. Well, I got something deep inside of me. I can't hide it anymore. It needs to be so free. There's no
1: Hello and welcome to the show. Uh, my name is David No. With me is guest interviewer, film auteur Kevin Principe. Hello, everybody. So today in this episode, Kevin's going to interview me as I step on the hot seat, go into the belly of the beast, the valley of the wolves, and uh, tell what I think is the best story I've never told. And it's a story I, I don't tell.
0: And, uh, and for my part, you know, I've known David now for, what is it, seven? about seven years, I would say. Are you serious?
1: Yeah, I think wow. so. I think
0: we met, well... I yeah, mean, seven.
1: Yeah, yeah you're right. right. Yeah, we met, yeah.
0: 2011. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've always had a lot of respect for David. We sort of hit it off when we were in film school. Um, but we've stayed friends all these years. And, um, like, there's a lot that I like about David. But I really like how loyal David is, how disciplined he is, and also how, like, sort of, you know he kind of finds this way to kind of navigate through life, you know, really, to me, it feels like effortless of just like being an awesome dad and husband. And uh, so in any case, one thing I've liked about getting to know David all these years is it's sort of like a slow burn, you know, like probably for both of us where we kind of open up a little bit more, you know, each time we meet. So I'm curious to hear, you know, what story he has to tell. Wow. uh, Uh,
1: This is starting off really great.
0: Cool. (laughs) Alright. Well, let's let's, let's, let's <laughs> just what,
1: just just heap more praise onto me for
0: I can well I can do that. Yeah. I mean I thought that's why you asked you asked me here to do this. Well,
1: I I, I thought you would be a good interviewer okay. of me cuz you're also, you know, can you're a storyteller and you can okay. try to see the story I tell and kind of see, you know, what questions would be great to follow up on. But uh let's but yeah, so let me let me let me tell the story. So Actually, it it was before the the year I met you. Mm-hmm. I I traveled abroad for the first time. So first, I went on a honeymoon with my wife. We went to to Paris and Spain, which was like amazing. Uh, and that was the first time I left North America, and and I and I saw kind of a touristy experience of, of traveling abroad. Uh, and we had a really nice time and, and all that. And then when we got back, um, basically, we we had an opportunity to go to Bolivia, which is apparently the poorest country in South America, and we took it. And the reason we took it was sort of this, uh, was sort of basically. We're going to get into Tiger Mom Asian parenting a little bit, but my my brother in law at the time had was in high school just got his sat scores uh uh, during the school year and not quite ivy league level so so Mm -hmm. mother-in-law was concerned felt he needed to pad the resume a bit needed to boost his profile uh, whatever he can knew that his daughter her daughter and son-in-law myself and my wife uh, were filmmakers didn't really know no probably knew we were struggling filmmakers but nonetheless, we were in the film biz and she thought, oh, if my my, my youngest son could direct a film and have it screened in a, a film festival, that would be a great thing to put on his resume.
0: That's kind of an awesome connection that she made it too, was, like, that he, that's like, it's the film thing would be the thing that would he, differentiate him from others. Yeah. It's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. Instead of like going let's just try to get him tutors and get his score or get his grades up or or retake the SAT. It was like, we're going to have, we're going to have him make a film. And so we talked to my brother-in-law and asked him, so what do you, what do you, or what do you want to do? Apparently you have to make a film now. And he said, well, I want to go back to Bolivia where I grew up because my wife is from Bolivia it's from South America. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of want to do a movie about the lithium crisis. Okay. We're like whoa, like, super heavy, right? Apparently, in Bolivia, it's the largest supply in the world of unmined lithium. Okay, and it's unmined primarily because the bulk of the um, lithium is located below the Solar de Uyuni, which is the world's largest salt flat. So it's like this sort of natural. Landmark, be whatever, like it, it. And so, underneath it is, is lithium, uh, but the government or the the president doesn't want foreign influence to basically, you know, have mining contracts or whatever, and you know, excavate all this lithium and also damage the salt flats itself. So they're very, at at the time of, they still are actually, but at the time, especially when we went, uh, it's sort of like protected space like the government doesn't want outsiders messing with their supply, but they're also not doing much with it either. So it's just there. So my brother-in-law, and he's like 16 at the time, and he wanted to do this kind of heady project. And I was like, all right. And then, so so then, you know, we told, you know, my mother-in-law, like, yeah, we'll go, Uh, but we can't afford to go. We'll help. Like, you want us to help when he's, you know, back here, like we, we can help him edit, whatever. And she's like, all right, well, what if like we treated this as a job? Uh, you, you know, we, we still have family in Bolivia, so you can stay with the family. There's, they had some aunt and uncles that still live there.
0: Can I ask one question yeah. real quick? So like with, with Jim's brother, like what, like what was his like motivation behind going with the lithium thing? Like it's like heavy. It's like really involved. Like what was,
1: what was he thinking? Like, Oh, uh, a brother-in-law or brother-in-law. Right? Uh, he, he was a serious dude. Okay. Uh, he he was very into political and world affairs. Okay. Uh, he was on the debate team in high school. Mm-hmm. He wanted to study international politics when he got to college mm-hmm. and whatnot. And he already, so he already had that mindset. Uh, and I think he, because he grew up here and in Bolivia, he had an international upbringing of sorts, mm-hmm. uh, as did my wife. So yeah, he was already, I don't know, kids are like, Kids are very adult.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just seemed like a very specific and no cool
1: interest. Yeah, when I was yeah, when I was sixteen, I wanted. I thought I could have an outside shot at being a professional volleyball player. Right. And I didn't. It didn't work out. Not even close. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be a pro volleyball player Mm -hmm. uh, because basketball was too unrealistic. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I was when I was sixteen. Like that was my 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 mindset. Right. Uh, so for him, he was. I was like, "Wow, you're growing up real fast. Okay. You're, you're probably gonna be an Ivy League kid, one way or another, because you know your, your your mentality is like in the right place." And he was a hardworking kid. So, anyways, we so my wife and I, you know, we just had our honeymoon, so we're like, we can't afford to go. What? We can't go to Bolivia. Like, we can maybe help another way. But then her mom was like, "Look, if we treat it as like as a job or an investment, where I'm investing in my my son, my son and." What if we? What if I paid for your flights and you stay with, you know, your aunts and uncles, and I'll give a little bit of a stipend? Um, can you go help him? Can you help him direct his movie? Maybe you can be, you know, producer and camera operator and and I, and and right like that. That I was starting graduate school later. Uh, this was like in August, like uh, late July, I think, or late like early August. So. I was starting graduate school, you know, in a couple of weeks, so I had the time. I I I had stopped working and gave myself basically kind of like six weeks off before going to grad school to, one, go on my honeymoon, and then, two, I had this extra time. So, yeah, the money worked out and all those the time worked out, so we went. So we went to Bolivia for two weeks, and it was like the first time I'd been to South America. I had just been out of North America, maybe... A couple weeks prior so like i like i never traveled really my whole life mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden i'm now in my like third country in wow. like in like four or five weeks so mm-hmm. it was like everything was so new to me and right. kind of i was like i was just like the yeah i just felt everything i'd never seen what i saw in south america in terms of uh, the bolivia in terms of like it was like a different kind of poverty mm-hmm. that i'm used to seeing in los angeles Right, it's just different, you know. And so I saw that. I also saw like the the affluent life too. It wasn't like mm-hmm. totally one sided. But anyways, so we were there in Bolivia, and then as you know, my wife and I knew as a little bit more veteran filmmakers. You know, this isn't going to be my my son. My brother in law is not going to do a documentary about the lithium crisis. We're just not set up to do that. Right. Uh because you know, he wanted to interview like the vice president of the country. And we're like, this is not... So then we convinced... We were able to be like, this is kind of a story about you going home. Did you convince him before you left
0: or like uh, that was when you were there?
1: Uh, a little of both. We're yeah. like, yeah, this is probably going to be about you just visiting your childhood home mm-hmm. and seeing the sights and sounds that you're, you grew up with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and how as a, a, a 16-year-old, you know, how do you feel about it? Uh, so that's kind of what it was, but we still wanted to go to these salt flats because it was cool. Uh, so, um, so that was a part of the itinerary. It wasn't. We weren't going to talk about like lithium per se, but we're still going to visit it um, as kind of a tourist thing. And we also, uh, you know, f- documented it as part of the uh, brother-in-law's film. So it was kind of like his film became like an autobiographical. I'm um, going home to seeing. Right. Where I grew up, and how does that affect me now? So, so now we get into the part of geography, which uh, you know you're a big geography fan. No, am I? I mean, I don't. I don't know. I'm just saying that for. I'm cu- I mean, just to get the humor level up.
0: Okay, I'm curious about yeah. geography.
1: Sure. So we. So these salt flats, okay, in Bolivia, the Solar de Uyuni, mm-hmm. is located in La Paz, which is the capital of the country, which is also like 12,000 feet above sea level. Okay. I've been to Denver like once as like a stopover to go somewhere else, you know, in like my high city. So I've never been in 12,000 feet, you know, above sea level. What terrain? What happens at 12,000? Uh for me, feet? you just feel like the world's going to end. Uh oh, wow. I I got like I had really bad altitude sickness mm-hmm. cuz the the climate it was also you know, winter time in Bolivia, so it was also really cold. Mm-hmm. It was cold. Uh, I I was just nauseous the whole time. Like, and then you just see these like locals, Bolivian locals, to La Paz, just like walk up and down the street like it's nothing. Right. Like their lungs have adjusted. You know, they they live there, so they. They have, they got the lung capacity. To of, you, it's like the hardest thing, like in the world. And yeah, and it's terrible. I, and I had asthma too, so I'm like, I'm not even getting the oxygen. You know, my lung capacity is already crappy. So then, on top of that, I'm in an environment where it's like not helping to have wow. bad lungs, you know, or whatever. So I'm just like, I was, wasn't doing too hot physically, uh, and and so one of the local remedies for altitude sickness is cocoa leaf. Mm coca leaves which is used for cocaine okay and crack but you can't just like there's a process to making it crack you know what i mean or cocaine i don't know a lot about the process oh yeah i don't know uh, i guess we're not really cocaine experts but it's it's just a leaf okay and so you you basically can have the leaf in tea form or you can chew it like chewing tobacco Mm -hmm. i don't recommend chewing it like chewing tobacco because it tastes disgusting like what's it taste like like uh socks In the wash. Not even in the wash, like dirty socks that you have to spit out the tobacco juice, the cocoa leaf juice. Uh Gross. I would recommend drinking it as a tea. It tastes a little bit better. Okay. Tastes like tea. Good to know. So that helps you combat altitude sickness, but then the flip of it is it keeps you awake.
0: I mean, are you, so are you, are you, are you like, are you high? Are you gaining a lot of energy from this? Like, or is it just.
1: No, I'm just not as dizzy, Uh but I'm also really awake. Okay. But I'm also tired, right. but I can't sleep.
0: That's, so a, that's, a, that's not a good
1: cocktail. It's a, it's a cocktail for just horrible things. So we're there in the salt flats. We tour it. It's like this, it's salt, but it looks like it's desert kind of flatland oasis kind of a thing where you need a professional to take you around because compasses don't work. 'cause of the lithium. Lithium messes up the magnetic whatever scientific you know, any any scientific listeners will know the gist, but you just need a pro to take you around and, and so we went on these like we were in these like Forerunners, uh, and they toured us around to different like there's like different mountain levels that you see and you see like different naturey things. But otherwise you're just driving like flat you just can't there's everything looks the same and and the, the pros they all kind of travel in packs the tour guides so mm-hmm. that's that's how they kind of navigate mm-hmm. they, they they safety in numbers and they follow each other's tire tracks because it must be super
0: disorienting right I mean, it's completely know, disorienting know where you are and it's really bumpy that. like right. these
1: aren't like highway streets this bumpy terrain mm-hmm. uh i was getting super car sick like I had to sit shotgun at request.
0: And you can't know when it's going to end too, right? You, you have no sense of when this is going to
1: be over. No. Cause I don't have cell rece- like I have no cell reception. Like the phone doesn't work. Uh, like I did have an analog watch. So I knew what time it was, but yeah, you just, it's just like some, we're going through the tour and then at night we stay at a motel within the little city town area near the salt flats. And uh yeah, and like and so I I had trouble sleeping. One one, the cocoa leaves to prevent the altitude sickness was keeping me up. Two, it's really cold in this motel, the walls are thin. I'm just freezing. It's like twenty degrees or whatever. Maybe for story purposes, like the wind chill was like negative a thousand. Wow. It was just freezing. Like and it's not like, like there was like thousand. Yeah, yeah, negative. That's cold. Like, <laughs> yeah, so it's like I'm, my wife and I are freezing. Uh, that motel did not necessarily have Wi Fi and like a heater and stuff. It was just, they just gave us a lot of blankets. It's still like really freezing. And I didn't know this about being in really cold temperatures, but you get dehydrated. Mm. I didn't know that either. I had no idea. Neither. Uh, again, I've I'd never even been abroad until that point mm. in the story, really, up until a couple weeks prior. Or so, I was thirsty, I was freezing. I hadn't slept, I couldn't sleep. My mind was like just going insane. I'm not even sure to this day that I slept. But that night in that motel, as I was in some kind of state, I, I see a figure of a local woman and her daughter roaming our room. Like a, like a, like a, like a, like the, the mom and the daughter had like, um, uh, clothes that are kind of native to the area. Mm -hmm. It's like a certain type of clothing, um, that La Paz citizens in Bolivia wear. Okay. It's like, it's not like, it's not like a poncho, but it's like poncho-ish. Okay. And like, like, uh, like a, almost like a bowler hat, like an old old school. And I see this figure roaming in my room and I'm like my mind is tripping
0: and you're in like I'm sleeping in bed and your wife is next to you she's asleep she's asleep okay yeah
1: or or, yeah and so and then in the morning uh the sun finally comes up and I'm not even exactly sure if I slept maybe I did I don't know but my mind was definitely like not in the right place and then I, I told my wife I told Jen I was like hey um I think i saw like a weird figure last night and then she said to me oh did you see the mom and her daughter and i was like what and then she started to describe exactly what i saw Whoa. yeah so then i was like wait what I was, we flipped we we're like did we just see a ghost two ghosts uh-huh and to this day i don't want to believe that I saw a ghost.
0: Whoa. So she had a similar experience where she woke up in the night and.
1: She eat. saw the same thing I did because the way she described it was so specific. Uh-huh. The same way I did the, with the costuming, the bowler hat, the mom and the daughter, them guiding themselves through our room and kind of looking around like it, like it all. It, and then also like we had just gotten married. It wasn't like mm-hmm. we we're like this old married couple where our minds are in sync and we, you know are on the same page <laughs> right. it's like no we had just gotten married too so it's like and we hadn't lived together prior so it's like we, we were still like learning how each other operates as and, she,
0: and she described it so like before you did even
1: yeah because all i said was like oh i think i saw like this weird figure oh, in our no, room and she's she, like that is something else she's like oh did you see the mom and the, the daughter and i was like so that that's the story so that's it that's the story that that Yeah. And you guys try to process it, I'm sure, like in terms of like, is there any way to explain this or... I mean, I kind of buried it, really. Yeah. I mean, I I know as host of this podcast, you know, Mm. I often ask, why did you choose to tell the story now? Yeah, why did Um, you? Well, mainly because my guests are telling stuff about themselves that are like pretty personal. But then I haven't told it because um, I don't want to believe that there ghosts.
0: well here's a question for you like why why do you not want to believe that you know like why does that scare you that thought or
1: yeah 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 because i can't watch horror movies Mm -hmm. like i get freaked out right and i don't want to believe that i potentially saw ghosts and so all these years occasionally i'll think about it and i'll just try to dismiss it. I'll be like, Mm -hmm. no, it's clearly because I had altitude sickness. It's because I didn't sleep. It's because I was dehydrated. Mm -hmm. But the stickler was always, how did my wife see the same thing? Right. We're not the same. And like, if anyone who's listening to this that knows us, you know, outside of the podcast, my wife and I are very different. Mm -hmm. Like we really don't agree on anything. (laughs) (laughs) So for two, for, for us to agree on something like that epic, like i don't want to believe that
0: i saw ghosts did you ever have fear of that kind of thing though like going back at all like was there like a childhood thing or like something you learned or you know like Mm -hmm. a family something in your family where it's like that would be an unattractive thing or a a thing that's concerning
1: i mean my mom (laughs) there there's this thing uh uh, like scissor lock. Have you heard of that? Mm-mm, no. Like sometimes sleep paralysis. Heard of that? Okay. You, you 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 sort of your brain wakes up before your body. Yeah, I think I had that so like feel, last week. Yeah. It feels like you're you're trapped. Yeah, yeah totally. So that scared me. That's that happened to me as a kid. Okay. A bunch of times, and my mom always said to me, "Oh, that's because a ghost is sitting on you." Oh. And I, okay. And that was like unsettling to hear, as like. A grade school kid yeah the, a ghost is sitting on you and that's why you can't get up right i don't know if that has some kind of like underlying subconscious like me mm-hmm. just not wanting to think that ghosts are around
0: well because there's like this alternative framing right where it's like if if you saw a ghost or ghosts it could be like people are still here you know what i mean yeah and it's like it could be but it and it could be familiar it could be com- it could be a comforting thought like if it was looked at from a different perspective but for you it was like a it was a scary thing. I get,
1: yeah I guess I've never really looked at it in a positive of right. like the spirits are here next to you to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> I've always looked at it in like a kind of a fear. I guess I never looked at it as like the Casper the friendly ghost vibe. Yeah, right. It's always I mean, been the other way around of like they're gonna hurt you. Yeah, they're there and, to hurt you. And yeah. then you you have to try to explain to a rational person that, well, I just I just saw a ghost, and that's why, I fell and got hit in the face or something. And people <laughs> are like, "You're crazy."
0: Did you fall and hit your face? No, I just okay. I just
1: I still, it just gives me chills to know yeah. that I may have seen a ghost, right? But I don't really believe in ghosts. But I guess I do because I keep thinking about how I pretty much, I'm pretty sure I saw a ghost. And my wife did, because my wife did too. And she's not, like, a ghost person. So it's, like, two people who are, like, adverse to the idea of it. Um, seeing, yeah. Yeah, well, it's it, a
0: stressful, I mean, the one thing I was going to say about it is just, like, you know, it's like a it's a stressful thing to sort of have two, two things that are true at the same time, right? Cognitive dissonance. It's, like, you know, you don't believe in ghosts, and yet you saw a ghost. But at the same time, like, that that very position is the sort of thing that that can force us all to kind of like learn or grow you know like when you have two truths at the same time and you have to deal with it it's uncomfortable but it's like if like all these years you've kind of been sort of like willing to like living with the sort of the discomfort of that but that can be a powerful sort of like lesson as well that you know if one is willing to live with the discomfort of two things that seem true or two things that seem opposite then sometimes we have to kind of Rethink our ideas or rethink our kind of framework for being, you know. So, in any case,
1: well, Professor Kevin, that was like a professory response. Was it? Sorry, coming, I mean, you are sorry about that. No, you should be sorry. You are a professor, <laughs> you are a legitimate collegiate professor. Well,
0: I, well, legitimate is uh, it's kind of you, but maybe an overstatement. But I, ac- <laughs> I accept,
1: but you do teach at a college, uh-huh. a reputable one, yeah. but, anyways, um. Yeah, I guess, like, kind of being on the hot seat, um, being on the other side of this, I, I, yeah, I think I've avoided accepting that it is possible to feel one way and then experience something that totally challenges it, and how do you reconcile that in your mind as, like, okay or acceptable, or where do you go from there? I think I... I had that experience, freaked out, don't know what to do with it, let it sit, disappear from my mind. Mm -hmm. Like, I just wouldn't tell anybody. And then, you know, when I started doing these podcasts, people were just telling me stuff about their life that was pretty personal, pretty deep. So then I was like, well, maybe I should go. What is like the best thing I could tell someone that I never really talk about, you know? And uh, yeah, this is probably it it's ghosts in Bolivia ghosts in Bolivia it's just the, the the thing that always gets me is that my wife saw it too mm-hmm. it wasn't just totally in my mind
0: well it's someone you trust too like someone you trust mm. experience we trust you know maybe more than anybody yeah. else you know saw that had the similar experience
1: right so I mean we we just got married too so the mm-hmm. trust is pretty fresh right <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's not like you know at some point you you know you, you get to become the old married couple and it's like I don't even know what trust is no, I don't mean that. In a, I just mean like what is what anymore? I don't obviously I trust my wife with my life, but I just I don't even I can't make sense of things anymore. I mean the yeah.
0: alternative version is, you know, somehow she staged the whole thing and then messed with you. Oh my god. That's the alternative version. Oh wow. And has has been secretly just laughing on the inside while she's played this game, this long game.
1: Holy. F- oh my god. So that
0: I mean I don't. I don't think that's the case. I'm just saying that I, that's the alternative. Just throwing I mean, at, throwing something out there for storytelling purposes.
1: I mean, that might be what I keep telling myself. <laughs> like that's like the new excuse <laughs> yeah. for yeah, yeah. Lean into that happened. if it makes
0: you feel better. Yeah, cognitive dissonance is good, but so is sleeping well at night.
1: Yeah, uh, and and so that is the time I uh, slept in a Bolivian motel, with, uh, and I should as a prologue. Uh, My brother-in-law finished that movie. It got into a film festival. He got to do the red carpet. And uh, he, a couple years ago, graduated from Harvard. So it was all worth it. Yeah. For me, the discomfort of seeing ghosts helped my brother-in-law get into college. And, And the college they were targeting,
0: and then maybe for your son, he can like write some sort of rec letter or something that will get him. Into oh, it. like so like like the long game of like
1: the help, legacy, yeah, legacy yeah.
0: thing, and then he helps your son.
1: I mean, that's the point, right? Of yeah. having uh, relatives and 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 siblings and whatever is how can they hook you up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're. Yeah that's a, that's a good way to go out I guess is just it's also an
0: American way to go out Wow just, just to, to get into, just there. to get
1: into that yeah uh, so I guess sometimes you got to see ghosts to get your brother-in-law into college I guess that's the, the moral the morality tale of all this the the end the, yeah. yeah so you you know you should do because you're the guest interviewer yeah. you, you should do uh, the outro
0: I f- like, what does that
1: mean? What do I just like, just, just, you know, send us home. Uh, so, say, you know, say your final remarks. and.
0: But I said that, like, I did the professorial kind of thing. Like, to, I can't say the, the same thing. So, you,
1: I, yeah, I that that was, <laughs> that was like, that was like some, like, end of, middle of act two kind of stuff. That's some screenwriting talk for the writers. Also, that I, but I
0: thought, well, the thing is, I thought we were into act three. So that was my mistake.
1: Yeah, I guess we had a very long prologue conversation that doesn't affect the story. Okay, well, I guess I'll sign off. So thanks, uh, everyone, for listening. Thanks to my special guest interviewer, Kevin Del Principe. I'm going to plug some of his stuff that may be out at the time this episode is airing, which is his novel, Eye Animal, Shout out to your publisher. Tumbleweed Books. Yep, yep, represent. And then uh, Up on the Glass, feature film currently being edited. Yep. I'm going to plug nothing (laughs) other than that it'll be fun to watch the Los Angeles Lakers in the upcoming season uh, As at the time of this taping. We just learned that LeBron James will be gracing his presence in Los Angeles for four years. So, I'm just plug, I'm plugging the Lakers. I'm not going to plug myself.
0: Yep, things are looking up.
1: Yeah, go go team, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, you'd say bye, bye. Hey, bye, bye. All right, yeah, okay. Hey, I think you want to listen to another one, right? Well, you can do so on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or our website at beststoryinevertold.com. And for those of you who are interested in sponsoring future episodes, we would love it. Contact us at beststoryinevertold at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.